Welcome everyone to the Compost Podcast, where we decompose socialized outlooks. Join us as we take the complicated bits of life and listen as we combine facts and experiences to hopefully help you form critical opinions and take a step towards personal growth. As a note, we are not experts or medical professionals. We are just two friends having a conversation. Hi, I'm Banana. And I'm Cauliflower. This week on the Compost Podcast, we are going to be covering the Canadian uh, primary school system. So that's going to be like, uh, well, I guess primary and secondary school system. My bad. Uh, We're going to be doing so from uh, kindergarten to grade 12. uh, And we're not just going to be focusing on like the systems on of like how it all works. We're going to be focusing on how it affects teachers, how it affects students, the systems and how they uh, interact with each other. I know that there's, um, you know, there's input from the government and then there's input from the teachers as to how the curricula is presented, etc. So uh, we're going to be talking a lot about just sort of all of those different aspects and how uh, it, it all sort of intermingles and uh, affects everyone. So I definitely feel that it is really important to acknowledge uh, the impact of like schooling on a child and how Mm -hmm. like it's you go every day with, you know, the same people, a bunch of different people, you know, you grow up together and you're impacted by the teachers that you interact with and, you know, the experiences that you have. So I think that um, like acknowledging the schooling like the schooling system and how it affects you and how it it sort of shapes you as an adult, um, you know, despite like, you know, your own family and, you know, um, like your own family culture and, you know, your, if you have like a religious culture and, you know, et cetera, like, I think it's really imperative to talk about how Mm -hmm. um, your schooling, your specific schooling experience has shaped you. And I think it, again, is important to um, acknowledge that, it really varies. Um, you well, yeah, know, you... I think that going one, it's basically the entirety of our formative years is spent at school. Um, Absolutely. And I know that everybody has very different experiences with school. There's a lot of underlying kind of commonalities to it. Like I know that you and I face similar situations when it came to our diagnoses for our learning disabilities. And I know growing up for school that primary school especially before I was diagnosed for my learning disability it felt like the system completely failed me that I I was yeah. not understanding how anything works quite frankly like why it was so hard why nobody was there to support me or provide the nurturing kind of experience that school should have and because literally school is where you get your social interactions it's where you get your education it's where you develop your logical and experimental mind it, it the education system is extremely important. And I know that you had different experiences than I, but I also know that you have frustrations to voice about it as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, my experience was, I think, very different than most people's. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was taken out of school. Um, I went to school from kindergarten to grade two, so four years. And then I was taken out of school from grade three till the end of grade eight. And then I went back to school in grade nine Mm -hmm. and I was homeschooled. Uh, but really, uh, the situation at, at my home was, was not, um, very good. And I, I, I wasn't really getting very much schooling. So I was not only did I have a learning disability, but I also sort of didn't realize how bad my learning disability was until I got back to school in grade nine. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and realized, okay, like most things I'm pretty good at, like I can do these things, like it's fine, but like specifically math and like history, things that I needed to remember, like really specific things I was not good at. And I, I really struggled with, um, and I, I failed math in grade nine and in grade 10, I had to do summer school both years. Um, and it was very discouraging because, um, I wasn't diagnosed with my learning disability until like grade 11. Mm. So I just was treated like I was, you know, really dumb. And, yep. and I had the same experience until I got yeah. diagnosed. It, it wasn't, oh, he has a learning disability. It's just, he's a C student. He's stupid. That's just who he is. It wasn't that there yeah. was something wrong that needed to be understood and compensated for. It was just that that's what I'm doing and what I'm producing is the best I can be. Yeah. Well, and you, once you were diagnosed, you were uh, diagnosed as um, gifted as well, yeah, though, right? Yeah, gifted learn disabled, which is why, why I had C grades is because there was some stuff helping to compensate for it. But because of that yeah. compensation, it harmed me because they didn't, nobody wanted to believe that there was something wrong. They just thought I wasn't great at school. Yeah. And you wonder how many people have had that same yeah. reaction and maybe didn't have the advocacy i know your mom really advocated yeah. for you to, to get assessed and to get the help that you needed and i and i think that that is really important so for oh, yeah. me when i was homeschooled i was basically treated the same way where like um the person who was teaching me math would get very frustrated with me and i would sit there and like cry because mm -hmm. i was just i was just confused like i didn't I just didn't understand it. And there was no real other words for me to describe yeah. it. it was just like, I, I don't know why. And you've explained it to me like seven times, but I just don't get it. And yeah. I don't know why. And, and it's, it's like, it's a very, it's a very hard feeling to sit with because yeah. like people do think you're just really dumb and you're like, no, like for some reason, my brain is not catching on and like grasping this. And I don't know why. And it is very frustrating because Especially because I, I definitely, um, I wasn't like super assessed. I was kind of like assessed because of other reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but they, 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 they did say they were like, um, you know, you definitely have a learning dis disability in math and um, these things. But they were like, um, you obviously basically have learned to compensate very well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, and that's yeah. The, that's a similar thing to what my diagnoser said is that like the fact that you still have C grades at this point with your learning stability is the fact that you're compensating very well for it, but that's awful. You shouldn't have to like, I remember one year I had a teacher who I was helping out after school and we were dealing with some stuff and we had just done a project that we'd got back and I got like a B minus on it. And he was like, wow, you did so great. That was the best grade you've ever got. And it just gutted me because it was like, yeah. it was not only did he say this to me, he said it in front of two other students, like out loud. And it made me feel like complete shit. I was like, yeah, great. No, so that's... the best I can do is a B minus. Thanks. And I'm like, I I know I can like, ah, I was just, it just hurt so much. And it's like, yeah. the teacher well, and, didn't get it. Teacher didn't get it. And the teacher also wasn't like, wasn't receptive to your needs and wasn't mm -hmm. really like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like 
That reminds me of an experience that I had, which is like when I went back to school in grade nine, um, my mom was like, oh, you could totally do academic math. You're so smart. It's going to be fine. And I was like, okay. And then I went to academic math and I literally, I failed so hard. Like, yeah. I won't even tell you what my grade was. It, it was, it was very bad. And I, but I would go to my teacher at lunch every day and be like, please, can you help me? Like, I don't understand this. And she would send me away and say like, you just need to study the basics. So I would go home and I would study the basics and I would still be confused and frustrated. And it would, it, I wasn't able to grasp it. Um, but I didn't have like, you know, it, 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 I, and I think that that sort of is a similar thing sort of to your, um, to what, to, to what your teacher said is it's like, your teacher is not like receptive to the fact that like, you know, like they're just not aware. Like they they yeah. don't take the time to like see that you're struggling and to, see to understand that you why you're struggling. They just look at exactly. it. They just see, oh, they, this student's not doing well. Not why isn't this student doing well? Exactly. And I think that it's actually, that's an interesting thing to, um, to touch on, which is that, um, he, like, so, so the government and like the ministry of education and stuff, they want like a 75% graduation rate, mm. you know, like that's what they're like aiming for is they want like uh, secondary students to graduate and go into the workforce or go into college and university, et cetera. Um, but I think that what ends up happening, and I, I mean, this is just my opinion and maybe based on my own experience, but I think what does end up happening is that, um, teachers when they're tired and overworked and maybe they have their own issues and, you know, they want to just take their own lunch break and stuff. I think that they um, kind of end up looking at students like me sort of as another statistic, like, yeah. okay, well, this person's not part of the 75%. Yeah. And they kind of let it go like that. And I think, you know, and I know maybe that sounds like really judgy. Like I myself am not a teacher, but that was definitely the impression that I got from yeah. the teachers that I interacted with when I was younger. Yeah. And we're not trying to paint teachers did... in a bad light, obviously. No, They're not at all. Because well. I've also had, well, I mean, you remember Mrs. Donovan. Oh yeah. She was fantastic. She was yeah. our kindergarten teacher, junior, junior and senior kindergarten. And she was fantastic phenomenal oh yeah she cared so much and then yeah and then it's it, i think it definitely yeah i definitely don't want to say like teachers are bad because they're not but i do think that you know depending on circumstances and you know how overworked the teacher is because i mean that's a whole nother thing yeah. is like you know how overworked teachers are and how like the expectations like i mean i think it, like during my research um you know we were talking about uh, i'm sorry i was reading about um you know, it's like split classes and um, like, and sort of basically I was reading like what the teachers are Expected. responsible yeah. for. They are responsible for a lot. Oh yeah. Um, especially in the primary and second, especially in primary when you have a single teacher who deals with everything or almost all your subjects. Exactly. Exactly. Who deals with all your subjects. And it's like, you can't expect every teacher to be like super, super educated on every single mm -hmm. topic like i mean to an extent like kindergarten obviously the basic teacher stuff, should... stuff is fine but when you get up in your yeah. grades like five four five six level that's when it starts you have a lot more i find variance in the education levels 
provided by each individual teacher because one teacher might actually be way better at English, just like a student may be way better at English. They have the exact same, the exact same problems with it, right? Not, you can't, you can't be good at everything. Yeah. And I think one thing that's also very interesting is, um, so if, if you uh, Google, um, oh, what is the name of the book? Uh, so it's the, the book is called Ontario schools, kindergarten to grade 12 policy and program requirements, 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is the book that the Ontario curriculum from kindergarten to grade 12, that is like the book that all of the curricula should be based on. Right. Um, and so, but I think, I think it's very interesting because, you know, so first of all, this, uh, this, book is from 2016 so obviously you know and it and i think uh in the uh in in the on the website it said something along the lines of like you know this book has superseded um the uh like 2006 version so i think they do update it every couple Mm. years which i think is very very important um but i think like not we're definitely going to be facing a lot of changes now and i think that you know, standardizing certain things. I think what we're realizing just in general as, as like, I think, you know, because the pandemic I think has really made us all realize we all have like individual needs and stuff. Like we are all different and we all do different things and need different things. And I think that like, at least I hope that the sort of the standardized expectations are going to have a little bit more um, freedom for people you know, like us, or like maybe more like recognition for people like us, you know, people who are more teachers who are more on the lookout for people who are gifted and smart and, you know, vocal and verbal, and they are articulate and stuff, but they still are struggling. It's like, you know, I hope that there's the expectation to not just be like, oh, that person's not part of the Mm -hmm. 75%. Yeah, but we run into the problem because like, I know that for quite a it's been a long time since you and I have been in our secondary and primary school atmospheres and things have definitely changed since then. But I do know that one of during, I know at one point during our education system years, there was a push for kind of like more individualized experiences for each student, like trying to cater to their needs. But then the, the issue always arose to the point of like, it's only one teacher how are they supposed to do that with 35 kids in their class? Right. Like it's uh, teachers are very burdened with this. They're burdened with veering the next generation, but they don't always have the tools to and time to do so. And it gets, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to balance because, okay, great. I can try and individually cater to each of the students, but then, okay, I can only get to 15. So then how is that fair to the rest of them? And yeah. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I I think like as I first of all, I want to put it out there. I think that teachers, you know, even when they, you know, don't necessarily see the students falling through job. the cracks, yeah. I was gonna say I still feel like teachers are superheroes. Like oh, they yeah. are expected to do so much, and they're expected to monitor kids and teach them exactly what you said, like rearing the next generation. But like they're expected to do it in classrooms 
of kids that they don't really know. And like, as somebody who kids are shit children, too, right? Like we're, the well, teacher, exactly. the teachers, the teachers may be bad at some points, but so are we. Oh my God. The amount of oh bad my God. kids. kids such, oh my God. Absolutely. Well, and I, that's exactly what I was going to say is as somebody who's worked with kids for quite a few years, you know, I, I know how hard it is to work one, even just one-on-one -on -one with mm -hmm. one kid and to understand them and to meet their needs and to make sure that they are safe and healthy and comfortable. And so then having like, a classroom of like 27 young kids i don't like it's not possible to keep to to make sure that they're all being nurtured and and that their brains are being nourished the way that um they need to be yeah to be um successful and exactly like like what you said like you know some students will go through school and like you know maybe their teacher's better at english so they'll have like a really firm understanding of english but their teacher wasn't very good at math so mm -hmm. they you know maybe struggle with math a little bit more and then they get to high school and all of the students have these like varying levels but it's all standardized yeah and it's not it doesn't really cater to the fact that everybody learns differently there are so many different styles of learning and you know all of this stuff and i think that and that even that follows be... through until your post-secondary too. That's why colleges a lot of the time have these kind of G it's your general education courses. So like you have to do English no matter what, when you get into college and a lot of the time for some people that college or university level English is literally just your grade 12 English class. Again. Yeah. It's basically just to review. Yeah. To re-standardize and bring everybody to the same level basically. Right. And so they, they recognize that there's huge differences in education level, but the best way to fix it is to make you redo a course, basically. Yeah. Well, I think as well, like at least for me, uh, I, I, when I was in school, I learned MLA mm. um, for like formatting and stuff for writing essays. And yeah, then yeah. in college, I go to college. I, I haven't gone to university in Ontario, but um, I probably will eventually, <laughs> but um, I'm at, currently in college. And um, it, it, the reason that they make everybody take the English class is because some people know APA and some mm -hmm. people know like, dip, like, like again, like MLA or the other kinds of uh, formatting that you can use. And so, yeah. And for, yeah, for citations and stuff. So, um, and they, they are very, very different. Oh yeah. They're but very, that's very the whole point different. is that the, the education system recognizes that people's education levels are different and that they're not as much as we have a standardized curriculum for a primary and secondary school, uh, up like system, the education levels are different, widely different from place to place and from teacher to teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I, and, and I think like, it's interesting to note. So we've sort of gone through primary school a little bit, but to touch on, um, secondary school a bit. So the elementary curriculum I've got here in my notes. Mm -hmm. Um, so in elementary school, you focus on in, in Ontario, you focus on the arts mm. French as a second language, Oof. health and physical education, the kindergarten program, language, mathematics, native languages, science and technology and social studies. Right. So that's, that's what you focus on in the elementary curriculum. Right. Now I school. think it's very interesting. Um, to note that it that what at least what they're uh, advertising online um, is that native languages have been included now in elementary curriculum. I think that is incredibly oh, yeah, which was never good. a thing 
it was not a thing when we yeah. were young at all at all at all no and it did so get introduced in your secondary school i know that you could opt into a native language course at least in my high school yeah in my high school uh there were some uh like indigenous studies courses that you could take but they were not like very well known like i didn't even realize mm -hmm. that you could take an indigenous studies course um when i was there and i think part of that i will say was like due to ignorance and yeah. that i was more focused on like drama like the drama class like yeah, i yeah. love drama i was enjoyed. on the team yeah like the things that i enjoyed and like visual arts i was in a visual arts class that i really enjoyed and like stuff like that i was i was gonna do music class but um the music teacher was a creep so i was like i'm not doing music class um and uh but yeah like it they were not very popularized like a lot of people didn't know about them and i will say that because my education did not like my primary school education and my homeschool education did not include any kind of indigenous studies and indigenous histories i had no idea until i got to college about um indigenous studies and it was very shocking to me uh that i had gone my whole life without realizing that this was the actual reality of the place that i lived in it was very shocking to me and i definitely have become <clears throat> a bit of a an advocate for for educating yourself about that kind well, of well yeah thing and just in general because not just in like general. In, indigenous studies is uh, one example of us not having education on stuff that in our day and age actually matters now but there's also Absolutely. like financial literacy uh like things like doing your taxes like a lot of things that you would would be useful in our day-to-day -day life that we're just just not taught right absolutely and i think it's interesting that things like um oh where okay so for to, to obtain your Ontario secondary school diploma, you have to have four credits in English or French, mm. French, sorry, uh, three credits in math, two credits in science, one in Canadian history, right. one in Canadian geography, one credit in the arts, one credit in health and physical education, one credit in French as a second language, and then 0.5 credit in career studies and 0.5 credit in civics. Right. Now, I personally think that that's very shocking that we are only getting 0.5 like we're of a credit in career studies and in civics because i think that knowing how your government works knowing how mm -hmm. how to find a job how to do a resume how to do these things like i think that those things are so important and they are not focused enough on in high school i cannot tell you how many high school students i've talked to even i would say some university students that i've talked to that have been like oh my god like i'm about to go out into my like next step like you know i'm about to go into you know school like post-secondary school and i do not feel ready or i'm about to go like you know i've just graduated and i have my like diploma and i like you know i i have my degree i'm able to do my job but like i don't feel ready don't and how I to think get that, it like, yeah and i think that it's because like certain things like that some people just assume people will understand you know quote unquote common sense like you know i think that like i definitely think that when i uh moved out my uh my parental figure definitely figured that i knew a lot about life yeah, that yeah. i definitely didn't know and i i sort of was sort of had the question where i was like where do you think I would have learned that? Like I was at home all the time and then yeah. I was in school in a small town that didn't teach me anything. And yeah, like it, it, I don't know. I think, I think that there is 
an expectation by like of the school system to educate your children on like everything mm-hmm. but then there's also so much disdain for the way that the school system works and there's not enough funding and there's not enough teachers and the classrooms are too big and you know children slip through the cracks right and that's it's upsetting and a big issue with this is that the education system is hugely and almost integrally affected by the political system right so absolutely we we as individuals we hold very little change like effect and change on the education system as individuals and the biggest contributor to change in the education system is our political system so uh, people include education change in the political campaigns and that's they that's the platform they run on but half the time these, these actual changes that they speak about or preach to don't actually make it They're not a thing that actually gets integrated into the education. And because of that, because we have such a centralized system, education very rarely makes leaps and bounds in in the actual system. Yeah, and I I thought it was also interesting in my research, I was looking at the books that Ontario curriculum, uh, like that are sort of like standard for the Ontario curriculum. And I, I thought it was very interesting that like a lot of the books are from like, 2003 to mm-hmm. 2006 and like we're in 2021 now i remember 2003 and 2006 that was a different fucking world we have evolved so much it's frightening how, how fast yeah. we've evolved like so, i think we're we're going a little too fast we got a lot of momentum like we're not really sure where we're going and how we're how we're doing it but like in the last like from 2003 to 2021 like i it's i know i'm not saying that that information is no longer valid depending on the subject but i do think that we need to think a little bit more critically about the information that we're being given in mm-hmm. textbooks that are over that are like almost 20 years old yeah and so like, that's in 1999 the fraser institute which is a uh, non-for-profit it's not funded by the government uh that does independent research on education provided yeah. a report called the case for school choice and six years after, and it was a very polarized report talking about the education system and how it needs to change and why it's not changing. But in yeah. six years after that report, not nothing changed. So that is the ongoing theme is that people point out or edu- like groups, whatever, point out the flaws in the system, but v- very little changes. No changes very little are made. Changes. And it's, it's like, I mean, not to go all conspiracy theorist or whatever, but like, I do think that it's because the government is able to control society through, you know, in- ignorance. I know well, that and, sounds and like a little bit that, out there, but, but like, also you like- know, if you, if, if the, if the masses literally don't know better and they don't have the information how are they going to know better? You know, like, I mean, we have anyway, I think I think that part of the reason the system doesn't change is because it works for the people in power. But that's the thing. There's so uh, the I read the article I read, why Canadian education is improving the school system being heavily influenced by the sociopolitical sphere commonly faces unintended consequences for change. And individually, there's a few things that are that are Lend, lend to this basically so there's special interest groups that dominate the decision making of the education sh- system and this includes individuals who make money through the system so like yeah teachers 
school board leaders, like people who are, their job is part of the education system. So a lot of the time, they're the ones who are catered to when it comes to making education decisions because they're the ones who their financial life depends on. Whereas yeah. students aren't at the forefront of this decision making because they're just students. Their financial well-being and life isn't dedicated or based around the school system. So you yeah. have you have decisions being made that end up more like it's more about how much people get paid, like their time off. Like that's the type of change the political system usually goes for because that's the type of change that will get get them more votes. Right? Yeah. Because exactly. students can't vote. Right? So uh, students can't vote. So why why would a political uh, advocate try and make changes for students when that's not a vote they can get? No, exactly. And I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's interesting because like we live in this society now like we have access to so much technology we have access to so much information just oh, yeah. like more information than we could ever ever take in just so much information all the time we're being bombarded with opinions and with um you know just just news things that are happening in the world and mm. i think that we feel very informed yeah but i think that that is not necessarily accurate because i think that just like you said you know there are it's sort of like privileged information and there are like people who you know people who are sort of more in power who will have that information that they won't share it right so we feel like we're you know but we only get like parts of the story and mm -hmm. i think that that is sort of how it that's sort of like how the school system works like for, so, so for example i actually think this is a really interesting thing that i came across in my uh research so in in school you have to learn about oh where is he oh here it is okay so french is a second language uh in english language schools so it says because canada is officially bilingual in french and english both languages are taught in ontario to all students the study of french as a second language helps students to understand canada's history Appreciate the influence of French culture, develop literacy skills, and increase opportunities in a globalized society and economy. Now, I think it is incredibly interesting that the government says that you have to have French as a second language in, in English language schools, but does not acknowledge the hundreds of indigenous languages and like stuff like and that that is not mandatory in schools and that we're not being taught that stuff that you know we're understanding canada's history which you know is the genocide of indigenous peoples and and then you know but but that is not being acknowledged yeah well there's a lot you know, like in school we always it's called it's literally history where it's most indi most individual history that you learn is about men right so the Oh, yeah. women history for a long while was not communicated through school either right like there's huge gaps in the education and it's very tailored to specific things right exactly and and those specific things are you know put in place so that we react in certain ways mm -hmm. and we're sort of you know because that's the information that we have we have to like, broaden our horizons outside of our education basically 
Absolutely. Well, and I mean, but I think the sad part is, is that like, for a lot of people, that information that you do end up getting, like when you do learn it, you have to pay for it. You have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go to college or university. Mm-hmm. And, and that information that you get, you don't get that information elsewhere. Like you have to pay thousands of dollars. And I think that that's, you know, for the people who, you know, are comfortable working like, you know, like working like, uh, as like in a kitchen or as a retail manager or something like that, like, which we need those people. So like, I hope that didn't come off as like any, like no shame, like, absolutely. That is excellent. But I think the problem is that what happens is that you have people who have only gotten to a certain level of education and then they're missing out on privileged information, basically. And opportunities. And and opportunities. And, and, but, but the problem, and, but nobody like, like it's not really questioned. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's the issue is like, you know, like I know I've definitely had some conversations with people where I've been incredibly shocked at how misinformed they are about certain things. Because they just yeah. haven't had the opportunity to have that education and know what the real reality of the situation is. But mm-hmm. but it's very it's very shocking to me that um, you know there's almost like this little um, sort of like I don't know subculture is maybe not the right word, but like from what I've experienced in my life, I find that there's like a a, a bit of a divide and stuff between um people who go and pursue post secondary education and people who don't yeah um and but, i think that and that, that, is, that is due to money right like even it's due, so- well it's due to money and it's due to how people were absolutely it's due to money that is such a good point right it's so, due to money but the, also- the interesting thing is that so we have we have private schools in our primary and secondary education and we have public yeah. schools and it's always been tooted that uh, private schools provide a higher education because you're paying for it, right? Yeah. Which in some cases it is true because the teachers there are paid privately, right? They are they're more tailored. But even in public school systems where you're technically getting a quote unquote free education, money still plays a huge influence in your in your quality of education because if you come from a wealthy family, you have access to your parents might be more around to help you because they're not working multiple jobs. You may have nannies or caretakers. You have more access to extracurricular activities such as sports or music or like all these other things that really enrich your educational experience. Whereas individuals that do not have that money lack those kinds of experiences and that kind of support. So even a public school system, money still plays a huge factor in your educational experience. Absolutely. And I think that that's another like really important thing to mention. Like I know we're talking about primary and secondary schools, but just to touch on post-secondary, like um, definitely it, it there are huge differences between like certain colleges and universities and like how mm-hmm. much they cost and like the sort of like rep- quote unquote reputation that the college or university has and like that's sort of why people will go to those places as opposed to like looking at the actual information and courses that you're taking and the professors that you would be working with it's more looking at the um the prestige the prestige exactly and i think that that 
again, like, just like you said, it's like a very money based, like mm-hmm. it, and it, it's not about education. It's not about like, it's sort of this like social expectation that, you know, if you go to a fancy university or whatever, then, you know, you're really smart and you're really privileged and you have all these things. And then if you go to a shittier college, you know, you must be dumb and you couldn't get into the fancy university and you're poor and all this stuff. Right. Like I think, and I think that that is something that like, again, like as society we buy into, right. Like, but it is shifting. I do know that colleges have got a better purview nowadays than universities because in quite reality universities technically focus on theory more than they do a practical application of skills and colleges have a way higher hiring rate and like job rate than universities do because colleges teach you practical application exactly well and i think uh, yeah i think that that is like such a good point because like hypothetically i could work on a lot of like theoretical stuff Mm -hmm. in university I just don't really want to like personally I know where I want to go in my career I know what I want to do um but again I think that that has to do with my own personal experiences and like how I've interacted with the world around me and stuff um but I think yeah and again like and but again it goes right back to like the formative years of you know your primary and secondary school um experiences and like you know what things you were you know because I know like for me I remember um like Mrs. Donovan she used to do um this this the helper of the day and we would sing songs and we would do special stuff and she would always make the helper of the day feel really special Mm -hmm. and I felt I felt special when I was in that class yeah you know and then you felt like you mattered I felt like I felt like I mattered exactly but then I had some varying experiences in grade one and grade two um you know where like I was I was taken away from certain friends in 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 classes like I had different people around me and my Mm -hmm. teacher was very different in grade one and in grade two as well and by no by no means were they mean or unkind they were just different and you know it, it wasn't the same and different isn't bad But again, I think that like those experiences that I had, like in my grade one class when my teacher was pregnant and she basically sat and like I remember one day she sat and read us a book about a farm and had us shake a a bottle full of cream to make butter. Like she that we just handed around the room and we just were all shaking this bottle for like an hour while she read us this really long book. And like and 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 I remember like so um, weird. Yeah, I know, right? Sounds like, like you're, but, you're yeah, making like, butter like, out of her breast milk. <laughs> That's not... uh, well, I mean, the baby wasn't born yet, so hopefully I know. not. Just, that would be That's a the first wild. thing that popped into mind when you said that. I was like, <laughs> "That's so weird." No, it's it, well, it was kind of weird, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, again, weird. I think that, that goes back to like the the sort of like everybody has a different fucking Mm -hmm. like experience in school and then and and then I mean I can only speak for myself like for myself I was homeschooled um quote-unquote homeschooled for for six years and um like for me that was a completely different experience like I like that that could be its own episode on yeah that's completely outside of the realm of the Canadian education system is completely differently governed exactly well i mean it's not governed right like yeah that's that's the point (laughs) 
it's not governed so yeah. i mean a lot of the stuff that i've learned like definitely college has been a really eye-opening experience for me because like there are things that i missed mm -hmm. when i was just at home all day every day um you know not really doing anything like i, I will say like my situation was uh very like specific like yeah. i it, it wasn't a good situation and um that's I think that it, I think that definitely impacts a lot of my experiences and, and how I reacted to those experiences growing up. But um, yeah, I would say like homeschooling is something that personally, and this is just my opinion, I personally don't think that homeschooling is a good idea. I think that advocating and working for change in the public and private school system is the best yeah. way to do it. I think that but because because here's the thing i i think personally that the isolation is more harmful um was more harmful yeah. than being i in think school. the big and experience of school is that social activity right it helps you grow socially which yeah. is just as important as the actual logical and like intellectual education you can garner from an education system absolutely and i think as well that like I, I definitely did socialize with other people mm -hmm. and like I, I definitely spent time like with uh, my sisters like where we would play together a lot and like do a lot of stuff so like it's not like I was just like sitting no yeah alone but it's different doing nothing though, like because like you're but I was gonna say it it, it definitely made me feel very unsure mm -hmm. because I only interacted with a few people yeah. right like so I think you know, it, it made me feel unsure when I went back also, to school. Also, these people have to love was... you to be your friend, right? Like, you, you're not making new friends, at least in this, your specific homeschooled education. I'm sure there's homeschool educations where it's more grouped, like multiple families come together yeah. and do a homeschool well, type thing. Yeah, so there was something like that in uh, the town that I lived in that we did try for a few mm -hmm. weeks, but uh, it turns out that it was like, scary like fundamentalist christian ah, right. like don't use like like literally like follow like the bible yeah, yeah, for yeah. curriculum sort of thing so we were like okay that's maybe not <laughs> and, and and i was gonna say like i personally am not religious yeah. i don't i i don't uh like I, it doesn't resonate with me yeah. but uh I, that is not to say that that those things are wrong it's not um, for you it's just not yeah. for me yeah exactly that and we'll leave yeah, it at yeah. that um <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I, I do think that homeschooling under the right circumstances, if you do it in a very specific way, I think that it could be good. But I do like as as a survivor of homeschooling. <laughs> wow, you know, that sounds I, like I a know war zone that, now. <laughs> uh, right, I know. Well, I mean, it did feel like it. Like you were the great homeschool like, wars of every day. 2002. You were alone every day with like people like, you know, like I and like I loved I loved spending time with my sisters yeah. and 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 hanging out with them but like the situation at home again was a very specific one and it was it was very negative i did not enjoy it and uh i think i think the issue with homeschooling i think basically it, if we're touching on homeschooling um my biggest issue with homeschooling is that there aren't a lot of people around yeah. so if something were to go wrong or somebody in your small circle were to be abusive um that can have such a huge impact oh, yeah. like i can't even you can't reach out put you into have words no like it's not situation. you can't reach out yeah yeah you can't reach out it's you're isolated like you don't really know yeah well you don't really know what's right yeah. and wrong like you're being stalked in your own house yeah. like yeah no it's it's not i think that 
homeschooling has the potential to be incredibly dangerous and harmful if you don't have people who are actually dedicated to your education and your well-being and who actually love you. And I think that that is something that does happen often in homeschooling. I have seen it happen in other settings and I, you know, there are things that you can read about like, you know, how homeschooling, depending on the situation can, um, you know, become a very dangerous situation for the children. And I think that, um, I think that, yeah, it's, I'm not saying that, you know, everything should be regulated and that all of this, but I do think that like, at least for me, like my warning bells go off when it's like, oh, there's this homeschooling family that sticks to themselves and doesn't do anything with other people. And they like live out in the country and they don't, it's like that, that sort of feels like somebody else should be making sure those kids are okay. You know? And I think that that is one of the good things about school is that you are able to, you know, there are prying eyes. For better, there are prying eyes. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you're able to communicate with your peers. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you're able to sort of figure out you like what's normal, what's exactly. not normal. You can like, be like, right, oh, exactly. your family does that. Oh, my, my family has dinner at five. Oh, your family has dinner at eight. Wow, that's so different. But it's, it's that kind of ideological yeah. idea of that you get, you, you have an understanding that some things you do are, are different. different and do yeah. Different things. yeah. But like you also sort of get an understanding of like, you know, people do a variety of different Mm -hmm. things, but like these are the things that are like within the realm of normalcy. And these are the things that like are not acceptable. And I think that that is one thing about homeschooling is that the children who don't know any better are very isolated and they are, um, they don't know better. So they just think that they're living hell is normal and that that's what everybody goes through right and as much as there are situations where homeschooling can be extremely hard and painful and maybe not the most productive in an educational standpoint in some situations homeschooling can be extremely empowering too for people who don't like i know for like special needs and education individuals sometimes homeschooling is the best option and it can be a great oh, a absolutely. great means to learn. It's just like you said, it has to have the proper circumstances to do so and the right people doing it. Oh, right. yeah. No, and that actually is such a good point. I, I realize that my, um, and I acknowledge yeah. that my uh, opinion. And your experience with homeschool is very, very, uh, yeah, very specific. Yeah. But like, I will say there, there definitely were uh, some of my peers when I was growing up who were also homeschooled, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe were on like um, uh, the autism spectrum and they really thrived yeah. at homeschooling. Like, I remember having a conversation with this person once and they were so sweet. Um, I was having a bit of a hard day. I was feeling sad and, but I was still participating in this uh, group thing uh, with these other homeschoolers. And, and uh, this, this, this uh, person looked at me and sort of squinted their eyes and was like, you're angry. And I was very shocked. And I was like, what? Like, Oh, I'm not angry. He's like, yes, you are because you're doing this. And he squints his face all up and he looks all grumpy. And he's like, I know that that's like how you're feeling because I know, because I did like, you know, my flashcards at home. And like, I know that that's how you're feeling. And I realized like, you know, I don't think that this person would have had, the opportunity to be able to in a, in a safe nurturing environment, Mm -hmm. like be able to 
have those reactions and interact with people that way without, um, the, proper without yeah. the proper education but also again like exactly what you said like the the nourishment of the of the caregiver mm-hmm. like that needs to be there like i know my my one um my one caregiver was was always working and then the other caregiver was was left to was supposed to be homeschooling and then you know so i think that it's it, i don't know yeah basically i think like what i want to like sort of just say is like kids are hard oh yeah and that's Teaching why is hard. teachers need a lot Education of credit, right? Education is hard. Exactly. Like, but, but they don't get like the kind of support that they need. Like it's how, how is it like reasonable that we expect one human well, being. They're expected to do all teacher, this, but they're in a system that is not meant for them to do it. Right. So like. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to it's the education wild. system in the article I read, these are a few of the things that kind of push against education evolving and growing and becoming quote-unquote better so like uh, special interest groups dominate the decision making of the education system like we had talked about before uh education school board head teachers all that kind of stuff decision making is driven by compliance rather than performance so teachers are generally more uh, they're more inclined to comply to specific rules than try to change it up to make so that kids are performing properly Right. So they're more worried about not doing something wrong rather than doing something wrong that will in in turn help the students. Uh, The process of creating policies that apply to everyone is very contentious and often results in compromises because you can't make a policy that applies to everyone. So you end up having these inadequate policies made that only cater to specific groups. Schools become excessively uniform because of this compliance that has to be met. You, you have schools that do not allow for the creativity and exploration of the students like boundaries because you have all these rules. Um, politically controlled yeah. systems lack the timely and quality information com- conveyed. So like they're just too slow to keep up with the evolving times. Incentives are weak for students. And many of the time, these incentives that are provided to students to have a good education are inadequate. So like students don't feel like they want to learn or there's a reason for them to learn. And the last but yeah. not least is that the government control abets the natural human resistance to change. So like, there's no way, like people, as much as the individuals want to change the education system, the way that the government has interactions with the education system doesn't allow us to feel like we can make that change. And so these were the yeah. like the seven things that this article brought up, which I, th- all, I think are, especially the one about, uh, decision making being driven by compliance rather than performance i definitely felt that in school oh yeah absolutely it wasn't about it wasn't it was about yeah like you said you become a number right it's not about they don't want to they want to meet their quota type of thing rather than i need to get this kid like this kid who's struggling i want them to perform well it's more about making sure that they meet their 75 percent passing grade quota yeah. And I think like definitely when I was in high school, I noticed a distinct difference between the teachers, like, you know, and their sensitivity, like their emotional sensitivity mm-hmm. and their awareness sort of, of, of what the students were going through. Um, like I definitely like noticed that 
the teachers in high school just did not really care to get to know you exactly what you said they were just you were just another number and i mean that is again not to acknowledge that fucking like 14 to 17 year old kids are terrible dicks. oh i know I, in my They're high dicks. school, I think so there was like, four counts of teachers breaking down into tears because of the kids being just awful, completely rude, attacking the teacher's character, right? Like, just like completely inappropriate. Absolutely. Well, and, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, kids are shitheads. See. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no. Fourteen to seventeen year old kids are dicks. Yeah. Like they're just dicks. Everyone from that age is a dick. Like, okay, maybe I'm being a little yeah, not, everyone. not everyone's a dick. But when you're in when you're in the high school building and you're in in between the ages of fourteen to seventeen, something just changes. You get into that building and it's like you're in a different little universe that's just this high school and you know certain things are allowed to happen and you can get away with and stuff but like and then you leave high school and you're a different person and i think that it is kind of because there's like this sort of mob mentality when you're in there's high also school a like you know i know structure I definitely... and social like atmosphere that's very different from exactly. anywhere else exactly and i think that you know like i definitely I got bullied in high school, definitely. And I was very unpopular because I did not fit in yeah. anywhere. Like, I, I did not fit in anywhere. And people did not like that. Like, they did not like that I did not fit in anywhere. Yeah. And um, and it, so it, I just, I think, yeah, like, I... But I think that that's also partially a decision that I made that when I entered that school, I was still myself. Yeah, you didn't you didn't and make an effort to try and fit the... in. But I, I just think you need exactly. to though. I think that's part of the ridiculous. Well, it's this compliance thing, right? There's no room for the no, like, well, expression will... of oneself. Exactly. Well, and I will say that, like, as like obviously homeschooling, I don't like very much. But I will say that the one thing that my my mom did instill in me was that. I was, you know, you know, I needed to act by what I believed mm -hmm. in and what I knew was right and wrong. And I think that that I was very lucky that I had the mother that I had who instilled those, uh, those beliefs in me when I was mm -hmm. young. Uh, because yeah, like I didn't, I, this like, it, and I mean, the, the reason why was I unpopular because I didn't partake in their racist homophobic jokes yeah. and I didn't banter with them the way that they wanted me to because i didn't know how and i also didn't like yeah. it it was mean well that, that's the thing mean. that even if you have a teacher that is conducive to like individualized expression of oneself and is like helps you grow into that kind of situation the teacher's not the only one who impacts your educational standard it's your peers as well oh absolutely and like i remember like i had um like I, I was bullied, as I said. Um, so, and that did impact my learning. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'll give you two examples. So I, well, three, actually, I had garbage, just a ton of garbage shoved into my locker Ugh. one day, just all the garbage. And I was just like, wow, that's rude. And then another day I had blood smeared all over my locker oh, and my what lock. What the fuck is this? A, like 1990s, like teen horror movie? apparently i i was frightened i was like is this a death threat yeah, like what the hell awful. is this um and like the people who did it didn't even really get in trouble my mom was very angry but then the the kicker this is what you know the, i ended up dropping out of school shortly after this um but the kicker for me was uh when i was in dance class 
I was very unpopular. Okay. Everyone in dance class hated me except for like one girl. Um, and my teacher didn't like me. He was very mean and he didn't like me. And um, I made him uncomfortable because something had happened in my family that we needed to uh, inform the teachers mm. about. Um, so he he didn't he didn't really like me he, he i made him uncomfortable just by existing apparently and uh, i was in dance class and i i twisted my leg and i ended up uh tearing my meniscus in in my knee mm -hmm. which then ended up dislocating it, it got caught on my kneecap and then it ended up dislocating both of the long bones in my leg because it was just everything was just messed yeah. up it was very very painful um but I was very shy and everyone in that class hated me. And so, and I was in a lot of pain. So I kind of went into like survival mode. So I dragged my dead leg over to the bleachers and I was sitting on the bleachers and I could, I like, I could barely move. Like it hurt so badly. Like I was like sick to my stomach and the teacher came over and was like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I think so maybe. And he's like, okay. And he leaves and finishes the rest of the class. So I was like sitting there for like over 45 minutes. The class ends and everybody leaves and he turns out the light and leaves me sitting there Ugh. without coming to like check back up on me. And he turns the light off in the gym and just and leaves me away. sitting there. And I couldn't move. I couldn't move. My leg was too, and I was just like, this is a nightmare. I can't even believe this is happening. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I think, yeah, I think, you know, even with teachers, you go into a high school and it's like this specific like culture that everybody sort of buys into. Yeah. And I think it can be very dangerous. Oh, yeah. I think it can be very dangerous. No, anyway, after I had that wonderful experience, I decided that I wanted to do a co-op. Mm. Um, and I think a co-op is a really important thing to mention just because we're talking about um, secondary school. Um, so by completing a cooperative education placement, students earn up to two secondary school credits towards their compulsory credits required for graduation with no limit on completing additional co-op credits. So I actually did a co-op. I did a co-op at a little bookstore in the town that I lived in, and um, it was really fantastic. Mm. I, I loved it. It was so much better. Like, I think that was like my first sort of glimpse of like what life could be like as an adult that it could be like really positive and nice mm. um and it was really it was really excellent but i also thought it was interesting um that like that counted as a credit i don't know why i found that interesting but like it didn't feel like school like to me it felt fun right. like Which it felt your like your experience I was, like, with school up till then was horror and literal blood so <laughs> You're yeah, like, that's, education that's is that's being scared. That way. <laughs> being frightened <laughs> yeah, and running to run away. That's what education is. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, and I will say, like, I mean, I like this this is more of a like a personal mm -hmm. thing, but like I, I will say I do still struggle with new information. Like my brain sort of has a yeah, block get, with new yeah. information because like any new information feels scary yeah. a yeah. little bit. Like every time I have to integrate something new into my brain because I've been sort of conditioned to feel that way and 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 that's unfortunate but i also know that i'm not the only person who experienced bullying in oh, high no. school i was bullied as well you know right like exactly i was gonna say like you were bullied i know in primary so, and secondary like, I don't... school i was bullied uh, there was times in secondary school where like 
this kid, which you and I both know, was just awful to me. And he would like he would pretend to try and push me downstairs. And one day I was just like, I, I really want him to just push me so that I get mortally wounded and he feels bad. Like that's that's the extent of the bullying that I got to the point where it was like, I want to get hurt. I want him to do something shitty so he feels bad for about it for, for once. Which yeah. is awful. Like, why would a kid like there's no reason for somebody of my age at that time. It was like grade three or something to be thinking like that. Yeah, no. Yeah. Right. Like you should like it's completely that... awful for one's upbringing. Right. Like. Oh, absolutely. And and again, like. This stuff is common. Oh, yeah. And the reason it's common is because the teacher can't the teacher doesn't have an, an eye for each child. You know, she's got two eyes and has like 27 kids in a yeah, class. It's and like it, it's it's not. I was going to say the problem is, too, though, is that then, like, you know, as as we know, we get a little bit like blaming on the teachers. And again, I, I really think teachers are superheroes, even the ones who like, you know, Leave you in the dark in the gym and you have a literally messed up knee. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that. One. Maybe not. <laughs> like, there's exceptions. There's but, exceptions. <laughs> yeah, there's exceptions. There's exception to every rule. But um, no, I think I think I really do think teachers, like at least all of the teachers that I've known that I've talked to, um, you know, that I know personally, they really care. Yeah. They do want to make a change. They do want to nurture the children that are coming through because at least at least the people. Who who are around my age they're like we know that this is the next generation we also know that we don't know if we're gonna survive the next generation yeah. <laughs> you know because of the way the world is right so i think that there's a bit more of a push for uh children to be nurtured and to be um you know educated for real i think that that is something that you know and i know a lot of again like a lot of my peers feel the same way about the fact that we didn't get indigenous history mm -hmm. um and information when we were younger and that we had to find that information out for ourselves when we were adults. And like, you know, there are a lot of, I know a lot of the teachers who, uh, actually all of the teachers, uh, that I know who, who've just graduated or who are graduating soon uh, have all focused on indigenous studies. And I think that like, not that I'm saying that like, you know, that's like the main thing that needs to change. There's a lot of stuff that needs to change, but I think it's really it's just a good example yeah. yeah, I think it's really telling, though, that like so many people are hearing this information for the first time, realizing how important it is and, and are working towards this change. So I think, again, but like, that's, that's the thing that I think people are recognizing is that not to make it sound jaded, but it's hard to change people who are set in their ways and individuals who are yeah. older generally don't change as much. Right. So best way to make formative change in our society is by educating the next generation right and trying to make amends exactly. for the wrongs that we faced and understanding that education is the most powerful tool we have to affect the future but it is exactly. also well, in this terribly governed it is exactly and this is the thing like I, uh, I know I've gone on this rant with you before but so I'll keep it short but like it it just is so shocking to me that like the information that I'm getting in college, which is like a lot of it is like pretty easily accessible. Yeah. Like why is a lot of this not being taught instead of like it's not the even a, pedantic it's not high level like, stuff either. Like at least some of the stuff we've communicated about, it's stuff that a grade six individual could learn, right? It's not, exactly. it's not high level exactly. intellectual and quantum physics, right? 
No, it's not. It's just privileged right, information yeah. that you have to pay for. Yeah. And that's like fucked up in my opinion. Anyway, so so yeah, like I think I do think that a lot of people who have pursued secondary uh, uh, post-secondary education, pardon me, um and who who have, you know, been introduced to this privileged information that not everybody has, you know, I think we are all realizing. I I think it's new, you know, it's not just me. It's not just yeah. you who are realizing that, you know, we need this needs to change. And I think um, I actually saw, um, this is specific to Ontario, if anybody outside of Ontario is listening, but, um, I saw that the Ford government in 2019, right before the, like the pandemic was planning on cutting even more research, uh, sorry, not research, cutting more funding for teachers and like putting more students in classrooms. And that was right before the pandemic. And now I know that there's been a huge shift in you know, standards. thinking about education since the pandemic, because children haven't been able to go to school yeah. as consistently. And people are worried that they're not going to be that there's going to be really big gaps in their education. When I mean, to be there's honest, there's always going to be yeah, gaps. Exactly. In because they're not being taught everything. Exactly. Um, but, but now they're being forced to think about it by a global pandemic, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Basically, so people have to I, die I, I, for oh. change to be made, which is awful. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's, it's messed yeah, up really is messed what up. it is. But um, no, but I do, I do think that there is a bit more of like a, of a, of a, like a conscious mm -hmm. shift towards um, making sure. And yeah, like I know for me, what I hope to see change uh, in primary and secondary schools uh, would be uh, some, some ways on like, teaching kids how to handle their emotions. Yeah. I know like, so, so again, I know things are changing. I don't know. I don't even really know. Like maybe there are yeah, some people been in who will teach for like, a really long time. breathing. Yeah. Like who will teach like, you know, belly breathing or box breathing uh, or grounding techniques when you're upset or like, you know, how to recognize your emotions in your body when they come yeah. up and how to deal with them when they come up, you know, because I have to say like the high school that I went to in the small town that I went to, it was like feral animals. Yeah, they would have benefited running from around emotion some emotional stability. Yeah. And, and, and well, I, just, just even knowing that like all humans have, big emotions and that it's normal but that we are responsible for mm -hmm. our emotions and we need to you know i don't know i think i think that like you know teaching a child who's freaking out when they're in kindergarten instead of being like go sit in a timeout like sitting there with them holding their hands taking deep breaths while making eye contact and you know being in tune with them and teaching like, them how to control those less emotions time. Right? rather than punishing them exactly. for having them for having emotions exactly like there's just there's so many things that like you know i think that we again like we're realizing that it should just change need to change yeah. and you know i think i i really hope that we're able to get to that point where there's enough you know quote unquote privileged information that people have and that's spread around that people realize wow we've really been in the dark in a lot of stuff we, we basically like, want the education we system to start treating its students like humans right rather than a statistical yeah. number right they're humans yeah. with emotions and fears and experiences and as much as we'd love it to be catered to each individual at least recognizing that helps benefit towards that kind of future and pushes it into that absolutely. direction absolutely absolutely yeah it's no i like all topics we I speak think, yeah. about there's 
the compost podcast is about perspectives, right? And we're talking about these varying perspectives. And if we had a teacher on, their perspective would be completely different than our perspective. We, if we had a student from Alberta, their perspective would be completely different than ours from Ontario. Oh, right? like, and absolutely. It's, it's and I mean, this idea of spreading these perspectives and coming to an understanding that there are more like, than one perspective. That's the important, that's important. Oh, absolutely. Important. And I think I honestly, I've learned so much in my conversations with my peers mm -hmm. about their life experiences, about their schooling, their learning, you know, their experiences in school, you know, certain really like life changing, life altering, just um, like things that they've learned and like, you know, things that they've learned that they're like, wow, I really think that that's, that needs to change. Yeah. Like, you know, I think the more we talk about it, the more open we are about it. And mm -hmm. the more we acknowledge the issues instead of ignoring them. And like, we try to like work to fix them. I think that that is and just understand be, each other. Um, right? I think a big issue with yeah. change is that a lot of people aren't willing to just listen and kind of hear another yeah. person's side, even if it may, may not be exactly what you agree with, just coming to that empathy and understanding of their perspective is different than yours and that their perspective is still valid. Yeah makes all the difference absolutely and i think yeah i think being able to listen without jumping to judgment mm -hmm. or conclusions is a really is a skill that not everybody has i know i definitely sometimes get so excited in conversations that i'll like pop in and then i'm like oops bad. Yeah. <laughs> but um you know i think being able to sit and listen exactly what you said and and take in what the person's saying without like sitting and thinking of the next thing that you're gonna say like that's actually yeah, well, I mean, I think that's actually like a skill that that is a learned skill that, you know, a lot of people don't have. Yeah. They don't know how to sit and listen and control their emotions when they come up if something happens in the conversation and, you know, listen till the end and like then say your perspective after you've thought about it. Like a lot of people really like I and I see a lot of people like jumping to these huge like um, emotional like conclusions and, and stuff. And and I think that. Yeah, I just, I think that the more we talk and the more we listen. And the more we learn in in our case, exactly learn, for yeah. try and keep our podcast on topic about education. Learning is extremely important too, right? You need to be willing to Absolutely. open up and learn something new. And I think, I think another thing to like, remember that I sometimes forget is that learning doesn't necessarily have to be through a standardized schooling yeah. environment. You can learn in so many ways and like, you should always be like learning every day. And we learn every like, week. We do these podcasts. Our research, a lot of the time is completely new to us, right? A lot of the statistics yeah, and, it's and information. Really interesting. Like I will yeah. say like, yeah, no, I, I will say like, I do, you know, as, as I've mentioned, I do get a little bit anxious about learning new information sometimes. So sometimes I get a little bit hedgy about doing the research and that's a me thing, obviously, mm -hmm. but every time I do it, I'm always blown away by how interesting it is, yeah. how much I've learned and like how much more I know. And like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like teach myself that it's not too scary to like learn new things, but, um, I think, you know, and I think that even though my experiences were pretty specific as to why I feel that way about learning, I think a lot of people have sort of fear about learning mm -hmm. and that they feel in, like insufficient, that enough. they yeah. are not good enough, that they, you know, aren't smart enough. And I think, again, it's because we have these standardized ways of looking at things that don't acknowledge 
you know, people learn that there are just, we are, we are just so diverse as humans. We are all so different, you know, even people who've had like the same experiences and like lived in the same, like, for instance, like lived in the, like you, you and, um, your twin, like you're both, you literally were created in the same womb. Yeah. And have the same nurturing upbringing, but yeah, we're very different. Very different people. And, and that's okay. Like that's just part of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that like acknowledging that, especially in like the younger people who are going into school and acknowledging that we're all different and we have these different feelings and experiences. I think that like just sort of that awareness and being able to talk about it, um, will make a huge difference in the long run. Oh yeah. And I completely agree. And I will start, we'll wrap up here because we're getting on the longer end of things. Um, but, <laughs> uh, I think that the, the education system as it stands instills this idea to some students especially the ones that are struggling to learn that they're not good enough to learn and then that's a negative feedback loop because then they don't feel like they have the the privilege or the ability to grow and educate themselves when i'm of the opinion that everyone's smart you're just smart in different ways and you have your own ways of learning and nobody's born einstein right einstein still had to learn oh absolutely and i think the the brilliant thing about einstein is he just learned in a really different different way way than everybody else right but he's he's branded as a genius right and but that's because he he kept learning and despite the circumstances and the difficulties he faced he he told himself i'm not stopping i'm going to keep educating myself and then he became the man he became and because of the way that he thinks and that it's different than everybody else he saw things people didn't see normally Exactly. And I think that that like, you know, as someone like who works with children, I feel like if you really like sit and listen to a child and you like see the world through their eyes, you will have a completely different perspective because like, you know, obviously that's different than what you would see through Einstein's eyes. Cause I'm pretty sure I would not understand what Einstein well, <laughs> was saying, <yeah>. unfortunately, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think it's so, that is such a valid point that like we see, we learn differently, but we also all see things differently Mm -hmm. and like acknowledging that we see things differently. Um, and that we learn differently exactly is, is so imperative. And, but I think that we need to acknowledge that without judgment. Yeah. And uh, I think there still is a lot of, there's a lot of things that need to change in our education system. And even if it's slowly, that's better than not at all. Exactly. And that is what I am starting to do. Yeah. Everybody can make a change. change. Even if it's just educating yourself on the system and understanding how it works, that's making a change. Even if the only change that is occurring is within yourself. Exactly. And well, I mean, because if you know, then you can talk to people about it in your circle and it just spreads. Right. And again, I think that's why that was really why we decided to start uh, this podcast is because we just want to start breaking things down and making understanding things things ourselves and helping other people kind of feel comfortable learning and talking about things. Well, and I think what what we have you know, our, our mindset going into this was we are constantly learning. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, you know, but we want to learn and we want to share this because we think that it is important to talk about this stuff and that education, like continuing to learn exactly. Yeah. I think that's such a good, such a good point to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Like we are not perfect, but we will keep learning And and we will keep trying to do the best that we can in a respectful, um, 
in a respectful way, yeah. you know, navigating the world in a respectful way. And I think that I, I, what we're hoping is that by listening to this podcast, we, we, we maybe will help give you, you that little extra yeah. practice start doing that too. Make yeah. you feel like you're not alone, that you're not the only yeah, person who's learning. Exactly. You're not the only person who's learning. You're not the only person who's scared of learning. You're not the only person who struggles with or learning. Has issues with the education system or the government or politics. A, exactly. But we are all here together. On, and we all we, share, share the same world. And, you know, with we that, all share the same world. And we, yeah, I think we should all be working for the betterment of, of everyone. Yeah. And I hope that. I hope that by talking about stuff like this in a, in a way that, you know, isn't plans like we're learning stuff together um i hope that it, it is accessible our conversations aren't extremely organized as you can tell <laughs> obviously no but but i mean but we still are trying to cover as much stuff as possible yeah. because we think it's important like the stuff that we come across that we're like wow i didn't know that this that's is interesting. A really important i'm sure other notice. people would find it exactly. interesting. yeah exactly yeah anyway that's our hope that's our goal yeah. is that you find it interesting and that you that you continue learning with us yeah. as well. And this was the Compost Podcast. Um, definitely yeah, take a critical look at your education system wherever you are, because if you look hard enough, you'll find some flaws. And Yeah, and also don't be afraid to very gently and kindly go over your own school experience mm -hmm. and look back at it, you know, very in critically. retrospect and acknowledge this, the, the good and the shitty yeah. things that happened because that's valid too. Yeah, because we've all had Absolutely. teachers that made us feel like shit, but we've also had those teachers that made us feel special. Exactly. Thanks, Mrs. Donovan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. I am Cauliflower. And I'm Banana. And we hope to hope you come back for next week. And if you have any questions, the email will be linked in the description below. Email us your thoughts, opinions, Tell us if we said something wrong or something you don't agree with. We'd love to hear them. We're always learning. Bye.